Shri Gauri Vaishnava Guru Parampara ki jai, Gaur Bhaktavrinda ki jai, Gaur Premanandri. So, Mitra Sain said that I would talk until I'm finished and then ask for questions. Are there any questions? <laughs> I've been talking for a few days, so I thought I'd give you the opportunity to ask any questions on any subject. Yes? Um, since Ram, Ram's appearance day is coming up next weekend, and I've been reading the Ramayan and um, also watching it, and I'm a little confused. Like, when Ram leaves Ayodhya because his father has accepted these, had to give these boons to Kaikei, and um, he was devastated, he didn't want to do it, and Ram doesn't show his father that he's, that he's really upset, but once he and Lakshman and Sita get to the forest, he's very upset, thinking about the state that his father and mother Kushalya must be in their intense grief, and all the residents of Ayodhya, they're suffering so much in his absence, but he has to remain true to his word to his father. But somehow it seems like, because he's so compassionate to all living entities throughout the whole Ramayana, and so why isn't he more compassionate to his parents and all the residents of Ayodhya at this time? Why is his word to his father more important than mm. his heartfelt compassion for the suffering of all these living entities? Mm-hmm. So did everybody hear the question? More or less. Um, next week, I guess Friday, is Ram Nomi, the appearance of Ram Avatar, and so um, uh, the question is about the Ramayana the, and uh, where the Leela of Ram is so beautifully recorded. And the question is that when Ram left Ayodhya, he was cursed, or excuse me, his uh, his uh, his mother, well, one of the wives. <laughs> of his father um, had uh, a benediction that he, she was promised and did a bad association. She asked for the benediction just at the wrong time, at the time that Ram was to be coronated as the king, that he be banished from the kingdom that her son um, with Ram's father be in, put on the throne. And so was a huge ordeal and very difficult for his father, Ram's father, to live up to his word to give the benediction, but he did. And Ram uh, departed. And after he departed, he expressed some feeling for the condition of his father and the residents of Ayodhya. But the question is, why, upon being banished from the kingdom or the subject coming up, why didn't he show more emotion and compassion and 
for those who would be uh, left without him and uh, what the state of the affairs of the kingdom would be and so forth because throughout the Ramayana he shows himself Ram that is to be a very compassionate uh, person and and so forth so that's the question right uh, why in this instance doesn't he show more compassion to his father override the rule or something like that he's he's God so so why couldn't he have changed the course of of things? It was a it was a benediction. His father offered a, one of his queens, and she got bad association. Based on bad association, she asked for a benediction that was not auspicious for anyone concerned. So why not just say, forget the benediction? It's based on bad association, and there'll be no Ramayana. <laughs> so that's part of your answer right there <laughs> so uh, <laughs> so such is the nature of the, of the drama right that um, they're bad guys and so forth um, but they're, they're good guys in a broader context but they're um, play a certain role to bring out certain sentiments, certain feelings, um, and that uh, can be experienced by the players, and that can be also experienced by the by the hearers of the of the drama, and um, certain sentiments, certain advice, certain instructions, philosophical points, and so forth, but. The thing that's uh, overriding, of course, in the Ram Leela is the nature of the Leela. That it, it, uh, Ram is Krishna, he's an avatar of Krishna. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is avatar of Krishna. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is Krishna himself. Hmm? Um, so some people reason, well, he's Krishna, hmm? therefore we should worship him like we would Krishna. And they want to have, um, Paramore or Parakya love with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, for example. Hmm? But Vrindavan Das makes the point that the avatars, the appearances of Krishna in the world, they have to be worshipped according to the mood that they're in when they come. Hmm? Maybe Krishna, but in a different mood than Krishna, for example, in the Brajalila. In the case of Mahaprabhu, of course, things are reversed out. He's taking the position of the ashray, of the shelter of love, rather than being the object of love. And so if you have a parakya love with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, it would be a uh, very different affair, because he's in the mood of Radha. So it doesn't, doesn't make sense. So, so you have to look at the overriding feeling, the mood of the avatar and the, and the leela, Accordingly, to understand it, and so the Ram Lila is uh, a in the spirit of Mariada. Mariada means um, it means like proper etiquette, duty, dutiful love. Hmm? Uh, Ram Lila is very peculiar in this regard because we can say that that uh, Baikunta is also Mariada, and. Uh, and the people, inhabitants of, worshippers of Narayan and all of his different uh, faces, worship him in a mood of reverence. They, they love him because he should be loved. 
It's the right thing to do. It's said by Thakur Bhakti Vinod that there are four basic motivations for loving God. Out of fear, out of a prospect of what you might get as a result of it for yourself, materially speaking, out of duty, and out of love. So when we come to love out of duty, because, or because it's it's God, he should be worshipped. I should sacrifice for the sake of of the truth, something like that. This obviously transcends the other lower motives of fear and prospect. And sometimes uh, in the context of that dutiful love, then they're on the material side, there's loss of prospect and uh, apparent problems and so forth. But we're to um, embrace the truth regardless, something like that. So Ram is 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 Leela is kind of peculiar in a sense in that that it um, it is a Leela that is the, the the mood of the avatar is is Mariada, dutiful love like like uh, Narayan, but this particular face of Narayan, Ram, if you want to look at it from 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 that side, it's also different because there are, there's a possibility of. Um, there, it's a window. It's an interesting window of, um, I want to say, emotional uh, possibilities that don't exist in Vaikuntha because Ram has a brother, a couple of them. Ram has a mother. Hmm. Um, that's Sakya and Vatsalya. We don't find that in Vaikuntha. Hmm? Not the full face of Sakya, only half with great reverence. And no Vatsalya, Narayan doesn't have a mother. Hmm? And it's very, of course, human-like. But what's not human-like about Ramlila is the thing that you're talking about. That his adherence to doing the right thing. Hmm? In other words, his father gave a promise. Hmm? So, this is a very simple lesson out of a very leader that contains many much higher things. Um, we find the, the Bible focuses on some things um, that without them being included in the larger lesson. I mean, the lessons of Ram Leela are spiritually and theologically are, 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 are huge, but it also teaches one should keep one's word. One should keep one's promise. One shouldn't. One shouldn't lie. These things are there. Mahabharata is full of these things as well. Hmm? Um, meanwhile, the Gita is there, and the liar, hmm? who makes a promise to his devotees: "Manmana bhava mad bhakto madhyaji mam namaskuru satyam te pratijani priyosime." And Arjuna wonders, can I trust you? This is Krishna, of course, because he's known to break his word, but but he says, more or less, never to my devotees. I don't break my word to them. I'm good. Something like that. (laughs) So, anyway, in the Narmayan, this is one simple lesson and one example of the supernatural nature of 
of, of Ram because his adherence to the Mariyata is is kind of you you're looking at it like it's inhuman well, I would say it's transhuman it transcends human humanity's ability to do the right thing when it's the right time hmm? um, to do it no matter what the cost may be no matter what the, the downside may be and so it's it's on it's nobody could uh, do it like Ram did it, and that makes you cry. And when you read the Ramayana and how he could, but but the lesson is is you're supposed to transcend that. You're supposed to have those feelings. That's more valuable actually than the lesson in a sense. Uh, if we get absorbed in such feelings, then we can easily follow lessons like tell the truth and uh, and, and, and so on. But um, but this is the nature of of the Ram. Ramlila, he's very, very dutiful. He always does the right thing, and um, to the point, as I say, that you know he's not a he can't be an ordinary human being. No one could be like that. Hmm. But in this way, he sets an example and tries to teach us about some basic character hmm, that uh, that um, is desirable and, and so forth. But there are many, many higher lessons, of course, in the Ramayana. <clears throat> And and I mentioned the fact that we find some sakirasa, some vatsalya rasa, in in Ramlila that exceeds what we find in Vaikuntha. In Vaikuntha we find shanta rasa, very prominent dasya rasa, and half of sakirasa, but no vatsalya rasa and no really brotherly love, like we find in, in Ramayana. We also find, um, uh, well, we, we find um, consorthood in in Ramlila that differs from that of, uh, of Vaikuntha and Lakshmi's relationship with Narayan. Um, but what these sentiments that exceed uh, yeah, the, possi- uh, the, the the intimacy that the sentiments of Vaikuntha afford in Ramlila are nonetheless not sentiments that we ourselves can um, experience in relation to Ram. Hmm? But it's curious that they that they make their appearance, Vatsalya, Sakiras, as I'm mentioning. The entry level into Ramlila, of course, is through the example of Hanuman. Hmm? This is why Hanuman is such a prominent, uh, well, prominent example of Ramlila, the, the epitome of Dasyarasa. Hmm? So Dasyarasa is, is, is the, the opportunity that's afforded in Ramlila, but Ramlila also points to an opportunity beyond itself. That means it points to Golok, hmm? to Krishna Lok. Where the opportunity for Sakiras, Vatsaliras, the full face of Madhuras, and so forth are possible. And here Narayan is in a two armed form, human like, kind of, but as I say, he's too dutiful and too righteous. He just can't, no human could be like that. But largely in the Gaudiya kind of perspective, this whole Ram Leela is pointing in the direction of the possibilities of greater intimacy in love. That is contained or found in in Krishna Lila, hmm? and there, of course, we have some Mariada, hmm? 
and Varyata uh, means vidhi, same idea. And we have some rag, and it's it's on a spectrum from Dwarka to Vrindavan. You're going to find mixtures of raga and and vidhi and pure vidhi for Krishna and pure rag uh, ultimately on the on the Vrindavan side. Hmm? So this is, in a sense, what's important for us to learn from Ramli. I'll be lecturing on Ramli. I don't know if I should go go too far, but it, of course in Chaitanya Mahaprabhu today, I mean, but in Chaitanya Mahaprabhu we find uh, we find both. We find the Maryada of Ram, and we find the Madhurya, the, the rag of of, of Radha. Hmm? He was very strict in his adherence to sannyas. He's a, one of the Aishvaryas of Bhagwan is his capacity for renunciation, and it's a very extreme in Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is, was a young sannyasi, only 24 years old, and his other sannyasi um, contemporaries were much uh, very elderly. Hmm? Brahmananda Bharati, who used to wear a deer skin, and uh, Keshava Bharati, his sannyas guru, and so forth. These were very uh, elderly and heavy kind of renunciates. They're the, they're the figurative roots, or they're, I'd say they're the roots of the figurative tree of love of God that Krishna's Kaviraj writes about in Chaitanya Charitamrita, the fruits of which are love of God, the branches of which are many different types of devotees, the trunk of which is twofold and Advaita and Dinanda and so on and so forth. And so the roots of that figurative tree of love of God are these nine, I believe there are sannyasis, excluding Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, who is the tree and the branches and, and the fruits in a sense himself. <coughs> and the distributor, the grower of the tree, he is the tree and he's distributing the fruits. But um, the implication of course is that the, that the, the tree's relationship to the world is one of um, Bhairagya, there, there's, as I said the other night, detachment or renunciation is the first step in getting closer to people, in loving, in loving something. Uh, you have to step back from a thing to see it for what it is, and then you can interact with it appropriately. So it is with the world. We may be attached to various things in the world, but they don't allow us to see them for what they are or see ourselves for what we are. We have a skewed perception as a result of that detachment. So we step back through renunciation. We see the world for what it is, and in Gaudiya Vaishnavism, we enter into it hmm? without, any, without any difficulty. We can be the lotus uh, in the water, but not of the water, the person in the world, but not of the world. Hmm? This is what Krishna Lila exemplifies in extreme in the extreme way. His affairs with the gopis are extremely worldly, from uh, uh, culturally speaking, from the times. Uh, there couldn't have been a more extreme uh, example of worldliness. But he's completely, uh, completely in the world, but completely not of the world, given the, 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 uh, the um, motive inner motive, in the, the selflessness in the background. Hmm? Um, so, I mean, he looks like, to use our example of the stomach and the body, he looks like one of the parts of the body, but he's the stomach, actually. Hmm? So, you know, the stomach is able to be the taker because mystically, it 
in a way that we can't see it uh, overtly, it distributes the food to every part of the body. Hmm? So Krishna's like the stomach, at least appearing like one of the parts of the body, hmm. so to speak. He's God, but it's appearing human-like, like one of us, and so forth. So, um, so at any rate, um, as I say, this renunciation is the, is the first step in, in loving, hmm? in wise loving. We don't do renunciation for its own sake, hmm? but we step back in order to get, get close, something like that. So this, this element is there. And the figurative tree of love of God has these roots of renunciation to make this point. Hmm? So it steps back from the world and then it grows the, the fruit, the tree, and the tree, fruits drop and something like that. They're distributed everywhere. So we find extreme uh, example of renunciation in Chaitanya Mahaprabhu hmm? that scared those other sannyasis. So it's adherence to the Dharma, the Mariada, the rules of sannyas were frightening, even to these older sannyasis, hmm? who were too old to physically even to be, for example, attracted to the opposite sex. They were afraid of his renunciation. But this kind of example is so central to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's teaching Leela, we can understand there couldn't be any hint in his Prakat manifest Leela of some kind of parakya. The whole thing would be ruined. The whole lesson would be ruined. So those who think along those lines don't think so clearly about Gorlila from the vantage point of our, our, our lineage. So at any rate, on the one side, he, he shows a standard of adherence to, to Vidhi that is comparable to that of Ram. That's why sometimes he showed himself in a six-arm form, as he did in Sarvabhoma. He's Ram and... And uh, and Krishna and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, two arms of Ram, two arms of Krishna, two arms of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So, with regard to Krishna, of course, on the other side, then we find the extreme of the Ragmarg, which Krishna is trying to taste, trying to experience. That his own lila was was uh, didn't facilitate. We say in Gaudiya Vaishnavism um, that Krishna lila was a failure hmm, because. What um, Krishna wanted to experience, he found he could not. He 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 wanted to play his his lila of love in human society, where it would be better facilitated, because humans fall in love, and love is a fallen condition. Hmm? So, to film a a drama on location uh, is said to be uh, uh, an extra, worth a little extra. So to film, to do his drama in human society, hmm, he thought it would be better facilitated. But he found limitations in his love when the love of Radha exceeded his own experience of, of rasa and so on and so forth. So this is the birth, the genesis of uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Hmm. And... Uh, <clears throat> And so the Krishna Leela failed, so Krishna extends the Leela, if you will, as Gaur Leela. Therefore, Gaur is non different from Krishna, but in a very different uh, mood, in the mood of Radha. So this is the extreme then of the Ragmarg, her Mahabhav, hmm? uh, and one on the one side, and then the Mariyada of Ram on the other. And so 
both have a have a role for us. There's a part, there's a there's a place for vidhi and there's a place for for rag. It actually comes in the section of the Gita that we've been discussing from the twelfth chapter, just uh the verses just ahead of us. Krishna will speak about he's spoken about the difference between uh, the uh, Gyan Marg and the Bhakti Marg. Hmm? And um he's actually uh as he begins to uh further differentiate between them and um, he, he gets emotional. You can see the words that he used. He addresses Arjuna very affectionately when he says, I d- deliver them very swiftly from the ocean of material existence. Hmm. Um, o Partha. Hmm. He, he says, uh, he doesn't speak like that uh, when he's talking about the Ghanis and says their path is difficult, it's full of suffering and it's troublesome. They also attain me and but hmm, those who are devoted to me, and so on and so forth. And he speaks very, with very affectionate words to Arjuna, um, because he's really saying they don't have a path, as we discussed the other night, for deliverance. I deliver them. Hmm. It, it is not bhakti is not self-reliant. Hmm. In, in 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 an artificial sense, in a higher sense, it is self-reliant because the full understanding of the self is that the self is. Or reliant or, or dependent. Hmm? So, therefore, as I say, that the center or piece of Sharanagati is this this mood of dependence. I'm dependent, I'm a dependent entity. Hmm? So, the path of bhakti is not one that has a method in a sense for deliverance. The method is you, you deliver me, something like that. And of course, he does so because he can't stay away from, as we said the other day, those devotees for too long. That's the whole reason for Krishna's advent. Hmm? But what is the problem of the sadhus that he comes for? Hmm? He comes to deal with adharma, but more so, that's a byproduct, more so he comes to deal with the love of his devotees for him. So certain devotees, there's always sadhakas in the world. Hmm? There's anadi sadhaka, hmm? anadi sadhana, also, something like that. <laughs> Just like there's anadi karma. Hmm. Don't ask why or how, but there is. So, hmm. so Krishna is always coming, and his, his lila is rare. When he comes himself personally, different avatars will come, for different purposes to experience different tastes and so forth in relation to different devotees. But Krishna himself comes. It said, oh, once in a long time. Hmm. It means that that attaining that kind of bhakti is very rare. Hmm. Uh, in in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, Sri Rupa Goswami Prabhupada has said, of course, that Bhakti, Vidhi Bhakti, hmm, is characterized by the rarity hmm, in which uh, Bhava is attained. Bhava means devotion, Bhakti, and ecstasy. Hmm. It's very rare. The commentator, famous commentator Mukunda Goswami, said that, and and lobha, or greed for the ragmarg, hmm, is more rare than bhava for the vidimarg. Hmm. So, so that's a very conservative uh, translation or interpretation of, of the term, eligibility for ragmarg. And, and here, uh, of course, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu opens the doors for that, and, and there have been generous uh, Interpretations of what constitutes um, eligibility for rag. Hmm. 
And in those, of course, Paragmar, those generous translations or interpretations, um, eligibility to tread the mar doesn't include um, everything that treading the marg uh, involves. As we become more eligible, there are degrees of eligibility. Hmm? More as we become more qualified to tread the marg, the path, then we can um, engage in various elements of the path that require more eligibility and, and so on and so forth. So wh- anyway, my point is whether you translate that or interpret that loba generously or conservatively, hmm, the same holds true that to attain the ragmarg is, is, is rare and it's a gradual process. And so, so anyway, these people have gone through this. They've, they've, what does it mean? It's actually, this is coming to the verse we were, uh, we would have discussed if we had, if we had discussed it. <laughs> next in line today, that uh, Krishna begins, after saying, I delivered my devotees very swiftly, he says, they, they, uh, they, they, what they should do, or what you should do, Arjuna, you should meditate on me, hmm? do smarn of me, and use your intelligence to understand all that which uh, um, supports the idea of this type of meditation that's so central to the Ragmarg, and as a result you'll uh, you'll live with me. You have residence, he says. This is the term he uses. With me. He's talking about Ananya Bhakti. Hmm? Um, and in relation to him in his form as Sham Sundar. So this is a very, um, this is the highest idea he gives. From there he says, if you can't do that, then, if you, in other words, if you can't do Jata Ruchi, Jata Rati, Rag Bhakti, do Ajata Ruchi. Ajata Rati. Without having attained bhav, without having attained ruchi, you, you do it. Of course, if you don't have ruchi, then you cannot incorporate all the elements of the path yet. Hmm. But you can do, as I said yesterday, just have this as your ideal. Hmm. That's very powerful. Hmm. Details will come in, you know, in due course as taste comes and so forth. Hmm. Um, so uh, from there, he says, if you, so, so if you can't do that, then then practice it, hmm? but still you might not be able to practice. This is talks. This both these two verses first are about internal bhakti. Can't they do external bhakti? Plant tulsi, uskrabanam, mapanam, some shravanam, kirtanam, as much as you can, and so on and so forth. And then if you can't do that, he goes to nishkam karma yoga. He goes back to the first six chapters of the Gita. Hmm? He says, I'm at the last of the middle six chapters. This is the one about bhakti. Here's what you should do. If you can't do that, go back to, you know, lesson one. Go back to the first six chapters and do nishkam karma yoga. Hmm. Try that. And, um, and offer the fruits of your work with regard to the varnashram. If you can't give up the varnashram, throw it out and, and tread the bhakti marg. Hmm. Then go back there and try again. <laughs> back to square one and start something like that. Not that we have to start there, but um, that pre- if one doesn't have eligibility for bhakti, yes, then one has to tread that mark. Hmm. So, uh, the idea, again, the, the point I'm making earlier here in brief is that this is very rare. So when one be, treads the mark, one becomes successful and one reaches in that, um, that practice stage 
by which his bhakti is really ananya. He cannot, he cannot be satisfied with anything else. Hmm? It's very, it's, it's, it's exclusive. It, it, then Krishna becomes, he cannot resist, he cannot hold back. He has to come. That's who he comes for. That's why he comes rarely, because this is rarely attained. Hmm? And so when he descends, this is one side of it, of course. We say he wants to come and play out his leela in the human society and taste love and, and so on and so forth. That's true. But the other side, of course, is, as I say, these devotees, these sadhakas, their sadhana has reached a pitch hmm? in, in bhav-bhakti. Bhav-bhakti has elements of sadhana and elements of, um, of siddhi, of sadhya, of perfection. Hmm? It's, 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 it's a sadhana, in a sense, that cultivates an element of sadhya. Prema is intensification of bhava. Hmm? And so, if there's bhava, there's an element of sadhya, or the goal, hmm? siddhi, perfection, in one's life, and one can cultivate it. It's hard to cultivate bhava if you don't have it. Hmm? Therefore, you can, you, can, you can do certain things that might cause it, might attract Krishna to bestow it. This is also an important point. Bhava is bestowed. Hmm? Bhava is the sarup shakti of Krishna. Hmm? The ingress of Taladini, samvit, into the jiva shakti. If it's bestowed, then it's, it's not there to start with. <laughs> hmm? So, it's a grace. Hmm? And when it reaches a certain pitch, then Krishna has to come and and uh, and and deliver those devotees. He, has to, he can't. He can't. He's basically saying in these verses, "I can't. I can't resist them. I can't keep a distance from them." And so this is their method to act in such a way that he will uh, deliver them. And then then the measure, the measure of the, the point here is, is a nice point. Is that not only is the deliverance um, easier in a sense that Krishna delivers. I don't have to make the effort. Of uh, that we find, for example, that he's given the idea of an agyan mark of exposing myself to extremes. Uh, deliverance is about understanding that there's a difference between consciousness and matter. So if I say, okay, I understand theoretically, I'm of the nature of consciousness. I'm different from matter. I got it. Um, interacting with with things that don't endure is not in my interest. Um, in pursuit of enduring happiness, so I'll, I'll stop it. So that's very difficult. You can you can understand that theoretically, but how you will do that? So some people understand it theoretically, and they think, okay, I'm not the body, so I have to start acting like I'm not the body. Hmm? That means I, whether it's hot or cold doesn't make any difference. Okay. Then they have to. So then then they expose themselves to extremes of heat or extremes of cold. Hmm? In the summer and in the winter, and this is their path. Uh, it's very, 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 very troublesome hmm? to have Krishna just fly in on Garuda, so to speak, and take you out. That's much, much easier. Hmm? Um, but not only is it swifter, as he says, he uses the word swifter, faster, uh, and, and 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 easier. The nature of the deliverance far exceeds the deliverance. That one can arrive at on one's own strength with just a little bit of bhakti. You can become a resident, he says. Live with me. Not not be, not get away from everybody. 
That is the idea of Brahman. I got to get away from everybody. It's a problem. <laughs> so to live alone forever, something like that. No, you can't, you can't live with me. Uh, so the nature, therefore I say, therefore I was saying the other night, not only is the path of bhakti better because it's easier, but the the I, the, the sadhya is ontologically speaking more um, more complete, more uh, more comprehensive. Um, it includes more. Hmm? There's no rasa in Brahman. There's, there's no other. There has to be another. There have to be two, and therefore a dynamic union, not a static union hmm? that uh, that Gyanmarg is uh, pursuing. So, so it's a very high idea. We are on for something for a long, long course here. Hmm? You have to wait around till one of the days, the next day of Brahma. Hmm? <laughs> You're ready for that? <laughs> and that's swift. That's a swift deliverance. Uh, or to speak of the Ganmarg. The next day of Brahma, of course, you could say, what if I go to another universe? So you try it. <laughs> I don't know how to do that, but <laughs> you can try it. Hmm. Hmm. So he comes for them, something like that. He cannot resist them. And they get caught up in his leela. He, he delivers them. Hmm. So... So Ram Lila is quite uh, quite different from Krishna Lila, very, very different. But there, the approach to Krishna Lila, as taught by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, includes elements that Ram Lila is very much about the Mariyada. So he was a dutiful sannyasi. He he uh, uh, showed that example. Um, you know, Rag is love. Love has no rules. Where there's love, there's no rules. Where there are rules, there's no love. Hmm? That's a fact. Vidhi-bhakti, vidhi-bhakti has its own goal. But then again, if one has the interest for, for the ideal of Ragmarg, then he cannot, she cannot pursue Vaikuntha. So even without a taste, we can pursue. That's ajataruchi, ajatarati, without a taste, without a bhav, hmm, one can pursue. But appropriately, how does it mean appropriately? There's two things that are involved Primarily in Ragmarg, a sadaka deha and a siddha deha. Sadaka deha we get at the time of initiation. The siddha deha will will grow out of the sadaka deha. People want the siddha deha without consideration of of, of turning their sadaka deha into the full sense of a sadaka deha. In other words, when we when we get initiation, Mahaprabhu says this. He told Sanatan. This, at the time of initiation, you get a spiritual body. He's talking about his sadhaka deha. It becomes chidanandamoy. Hmm? So it becomes, it means, it, over time, it means initiation doesn't happen in, in, in a moment. Hmm? It's a beginning of something hmm, that's cultivated. It comes under the heading of sambandagyan. Hmm? When the sambandagyan is, is complete, then one's bhakti is fully informed. So Bandhagyan is completed, asakti, this stage. Then one enters into bhava-bhakti. Then one's bhakti is fully informed. Hmm? So the more informed your bhakti is, the more readily you can engage in it. Hmm? So now we're kind of, we're kind of so, somewhat uninformed, largely uninformed theoretically. Many devotees do not theoretically understand 
what bhakti is and what they're doing. They have a very general understanding. Hmm? Um, so they need more theoretical knowledge. And then the theoretical knowledge has to turn into practical, realized knowledge. Hmm? And that's what constitutes turning this, making this sadhakadeha at sadhaka day in the full sense of the term. Sadhaka day means it's a, it's a, it's a deha a body of a sadhaka that ideally whose senses are only engaged in relation to sense objects for the purpose of Krishna bhakti. Hmm? But what we find, of course, is say it takes time so that we find this, the sadhakas, for example, there's anishta bhajana kriya, so there's a learning curve. So there's a point where the senses are engaged for material purposes. And then they come back and they go to Arctic or something like that, and then back and forth. And so uh, the idea is to hone the sadhakadeya in such a way that it's, that its senses that it's constituted of and its mind are only engaged in, fully absorbed in spiritual sense objects. Hmm? Then it takes on the spiritual um, character. Hmm? Ideally, it, it becomes a gordeha uh, lila, uh, gor lila deha, hmm? an extension of the gor lila. And we, we find examples. Dhruva is said to have returned, to, or went to Goloka, I should say, in his, in his sadhaka deha, uh, to Vaikuntha. Hmm? So this is a prominent example there. There are others of the idea of, or we take, for example, the acharya. Let's take, take for example, um, Prabhupada, we have his picture on the altar. So his form, that is his sadhakadeha, it has a place in eternity. We're worshipping that form in eternity. We're getting some benefit from that. We, we, so it's existing in some sense eternally. You can say, well, it's, it's died, you know, it's biologically, but it's despite the biological death, if you will, it has a spiritual character to it. It becomes worshipable. So it's living in eternity, you know, in a, in a vault up the street here. It's indestructible, and you can't get in or out. And, you know, once getting in, you can't get out, or something like, like that. Going there, one never returns. <laughs> so, uh, right? Well, the Bhakti Vedanta archives, Kijai. <laughs> so, so, um, the, so the point I'm making is that as the sadhaka deha is spiritualized and used appropriately, proportionately or accordingly, the siddha deha will manifest. You can't get the siddha deha without having a sadhaka deha. <laughs> Siddhadeya comes out of the sadhakadeya. So you have to, you, 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 people want to have a siddhadeya. Well, you have to have eligibility for that. You may have eligibility for Ragmar because you want to go to Golok, to, to the Brajlila. Okay, so that can be your goal. Now do hearing and chanting and so many other things. Hmm? And as, as a result of that, you can actually have an inner life and cultivate bhakti internally and visibly. Hmm? That's that. That is a re, being able to do that. The eligibility for that is a result of engaging the senses. Engaging the senses fully, arguably, gets the mind to come around. Hmm? If, despite what the mind says, with your spiritual intelligence, you engage your senses, hmm? 
in Nishta, for example, this is the, this is the you start to win the battle. Hmm? The mind may try to take somewhere else, but want somewhere else, want somewhere else. But one has in Nishta spiritual intelligence. Nasta prayeshu abadreshu nityam bhagavata sevaya. Where does spiritual intelligence come? Nityam bhagavata sevaya. That's why I say you study the books very carefully. You get spiritual intelligence. Nityam bhagavata sevaya. Then the mind can't. It may it may want to go somewhere else, but it it. it, it the intelligence won't allow it, and the intelligence doesn't allow a wedding to take place between the mind and the senses. Where whatever the mind wants, the senses agree with and go here and there. No. It, um, uh, uh, so it, 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 it forces a wedding, if you will, of the senses with uh, Krishna consciousness, and the mind comes around hmm? in due course. Mind comes around, and in ruchi and asakti, and the mind goes over to Krishna always naturally. It just leans in that direction. Hmm? You try to have a normal conversation with someone, and you end up doing in Krishna lila. <laughs> How do we get there? <laughs> just the opposite, something like that. Hmm? Now we try to have a spiritual conversation, and then it gravitates towards something else, hmm? material. That's the other side. So, so. It's a culture, right? And as the sadhaka day is fully engaged, this is the idea. He doesn't want anything, Mahabhu said. He got ruchi for bhakti. Hmm? He doesn't want anything of the world. So his sadhaka day, he's a sharanagata. His sadhaka day is complete. And so now the siddha day is coming out in asakti. I want to be, I want to live in the house of Nanda Maharaj. I want to be a maid servant in the house of Nanda Maharaj. It means she, he's saying, "I want to marry Krishna." Hmm. So this is his, uh, uh, this, the Deha is coming out, but it's coming out at this point. Hmm. It's still in the stage of sadhana bhakti, but the higher stage of sadhana bhakti in ruchi and asakti. Then he enters into bhava bhakti, hmm. and that uh, that identity is, is 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 cultivated and so forth. So. So you got to engage the sadhaka deha. Siddha deha comes out of that. People want the siddha deha without engaging the sadhaka deha. Hmm. That will not happen. It is said to be a, a mental body, hmm. the sadhaka deha, but the, it's a body that comes out of a mind that has been arrested by bhava. Hmm. You see, it's bhakti vritti. In yoga ends, yoga marg ends with chitta vritti nirodha, the end of, of, of the chitti, of vrittis in the chitta. And bhakti is, requires having a bhakti vritti hmm, on the chitta. It's a very different idea. So the mind stays there, but it becomes spiritualized. Again, this is, this is part of the sadhaka deha, your mind, the psychic dimension of your practitioner's body. It gets taken over by bhava. And then that devotee acts in a certain way, preaches in a certain way, hmm? loves in a certain way, hmm? all under the, 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 the all under the diving prakritim, diving prakritim ashrita, mahatmanastamam partha. Hmm? Therefore, Vaishnavera kriyamudra vignena bhujai. Difficult to understand the activities of the Vaishnav. Why he didn't do, why, then why Ram did this? Why Ram did that? is the same answer. 
in a sense. Leela has a higher purpose and we have to study carefully and teach us different things in different ways and so on and so forth. So, so high ideal, hmm? it starts somewhere and a good start is understanding the theory, like I said. Hmm? Study the text very carefully or attach yourself to somebody that is very um, capable of answering the question or letting you know you're doing it wrong or right or something like that. Nityam Bhagavata said, two types of Bhagavats. Chit Krishna said, Prem that Gaur and Nityananda came to give, the way they came to give it was to, was by bringing us in touch with two Bhagavatas, the book Bhagavata and the person Bhagavat. That's the, the way they chose to give Prem. So they cannot be neglected. You cannot say it's all in the book, and you can't. And if you say it's all in the sadhu, the sadhu will keep telling. Keep reading the book. <laughs> ask questions. Why don't you ask questions from the books? Because you're not reading the books. If you read the books, you wouldn't have as many questions that aren't interesting to me. <laughs> that are all about how do I do bhakti, or how do how do I become humble? Read the book. That'll make you humble. <laughs> Let me try that. <laughs> Something like that. And you, you said, I said the other day we talked about we talked about nam aparad. If you, the more you know the philosophy, the more difficult it is to make aparad. You can't. Hmm? That's the whole idea. That's why the emphasis of bhakti Thakur and his time on shiksha, because many people were chanting, they didn't know the philosophy. Hmm? They weren't making much progress. Therefore, they would chant Hare Krishna, and then they would also go to some other function, chant something else, whatever, as if they were equal or whatever, and and and, and, and so on. So by knowing the philosophy, you, you see, you study, you see carefully, oh yeah, this would be very difficult to make nama parad. Hmm. So, yes? Well, it was just a comment, just thinking about how Ram, you know, leaving them in that distressed condition, but we have that in Chaitanya Lila, we have that in Krishna as well. I mean, it seems that that distress condition, even though it looks like poison, mm-hmm. it's really the highest expression of or way to experience love is in that separation. Their minds are more constantly thinking of. It's got you thinking about it, right? Paya bisha jalahoy mitarayanandamoy Krishna premier adbhuta charita. Is mentioned that the wonderful characteristic, the charita, of prem, is that on the outside it looks very foreboding, hmm? like burns, like fire, like poison, but inside, bitare anandamoy, it's full of ananda. Hmm? Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was a good example. He was crying and falling on the ground and fainting, and people thinking this guy's got a problem. Hmm? On the outside, it looked very terrifying, but inside, full of ananda. Hmm. Sadhaka's life is like that, too. Uh, you're going to become a sadhaka. If you're going to be a monk, you're going to have to shave your head and live in the forest and, and you know, have a throttle on the YouTube and that kind of thing. It's, uh, <laughs> how terrible, uh, you know. But inside, it's full of ananda. Hmm. Same for household life, too. There are certain things you, that are favorable for bhakti, things that are unfavorable, things that are 
unfavorable or the things that people want to do, the things that are favorable or the things that people don't want to do. <laughs> so your life looks very terrifying on the outside, but inside it's full of ananda if you apply yourself. So love has a tendency to want to share itself and at the same time to hide itself. Because it sees I can't share myself with everybody. People won't appreciate. So the whole Krishna Leela is, is doing that. But the highest love is camouflaged. It looks very selfish. The gopis' love looks extremely selfish. They left in the middle of the night. Kids were crying. The milk was boiling over. Hmm? Reputation of the village was at stake. If they should be found in the night in the forest with a young man, then what? Hmm? They just forgot it all. They went. So it looks very selfish on the outside. Hmm? But if you look, if nasta prayeshu abadreshu nityam bhagavatasebe, if you study very carefully, you say, oh, it's very different actually. Hmm? Hmm. So there's secrets inside the book. You have to look very carefully. Hmm? Even Mahaprabhu coming to give the highest love and still it takes some study to understand. Yes? Some of our god-brothers uh, are putting forth the conception that our spiritual master started a new sampradaya. Hmm. His divine grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Srinivasa, started a new sampradaya. I'm wondering if you could comment on that. Well, that's news to me. Um, uh, I would say that... Um, are those the same guys that say that that um, that uh, everything's in Prabhupada's books and shouldn't read any other books? And I don't know. They're the leaders of uh, another. I didn't because I didn't find that in those books anywhere. <laughs> it would be nice uh, to, in the name of um, adhering to to uh, or to Prabhupada's teaching, if you were actually doing something that he said. So I would say first m m response to that is Prabhupada never taught that, obviously. He, he taught he was a member of the Gaudiya Sampradaya. Hmm? The Gaudiya Sampradaya is founded by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and Sarva Samvadini of Rupa Jiva Goswami says that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was the founder of his own Sampradaya. Hmm? And uh, he's the Akanda Guru Tattva, uh, or he's the Samasti Guru. Hmm? or Anitananda, the Samasti Guru, and then there are Vyasti, local microcosmic gurus in rep representing in the Parampara and so forth. So um, you can't really say that Prabhupada started his own Sampradaya. What you could say, if you wanted to, I suppose, um, you could say that within the Gaudiya Sampradaya, you were a member of the Bhaktivedanta Paribara. Hmm? except that Prabhupada Bhaktivedanta said he was a member of the Bhaktivinoda Paribara. Hmm. So Paribara means lineage or f family, really. Hmm. So in Gaudiya Vaishnavism, we have, it, it, it said, Jiva Goswami said, Mahaprabhu is the founder of his own uh, um, lineages, uses the plural. Hmm. So there are many streams flowing from Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, like the Advaita Paribar, the Nityananda Paribar. Hmm? The devotees coming from the, from who, the lineage is coming from the 
immediate associates of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Hmm? And so you have these various lineages that originate in a devotee who is an eternal associate of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in the Leela, Nityananda Dvaita, Shivas, Rupa Goswami, and so forth. Hmm? Um, but you also have um, the idea, for example, of the uh, Shamananda Paribar. It's very popular. Paribar or lineage. Shamananda was not an original associate of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. We have Nityananda Paribar, or Narutama Paribar. This is a common uh, term. Hmm. Nityananda Paribar would be or, or, or Naratam Paribar. Naratam was not a direct associate of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He was a disciple of Lokanath, who was a direct disciple of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, or associate of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So this term Paribar has been used sometimes to uh, single out a particular devotee in the lineage in their contribution and um, um, then identify the lineage in terms of that particular devotee as if he or she is the, the founder of it. Hmm? Even though, in these two instances I've mentioned, Narutam and Shamananda were not immediate associates of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, their lineages become known as the Narutam Paribar, not the Lokanath Paribar, hmm? or the um, Shamananda Paribar. And that's a different story, unique story some of you are familiar with. So in, in more modern times, um, Bhakti Siddhanta was quite revolutionary in his approach to uh, Gaudiya Vaishnavism, and he critiqued uh, his own tradition um, quite seriously, and um, and that under the inspiration of Thakur Bhakti Vinod. Bhakti Vinod Thakur was called by, um, I think, it, uh, an, an editor of pet paper in Calcutta that he was termed the seventh Goswami. Hmm? His contribution was analogous in some ways to the Goswamis in terms of the contribution of literature um, and as well as his um, work to reveal the nature of the Dham, Navadweep, which the Goswamis revealed the nature of Vrindavan hmm? um, under Mahaprabhu's direction. So there are some parallels anyway. So his contribution, he's the first to interface Gaudiya Vaishnavism with the modern world and so forth. And so he's a very prominent person in the tradition. And so when his students, Bhaktisiddhanta students, were asked, what paribar are you a member of? He, he told me, tell them the Bhaktivinoda paribar. Hmm. Um, so Prabhupada used to say that we are all members of the family of Bhaktivinoda. Hmm. That's how he considered himself. And... Um, Bhaktivinoda's contribution was different than Prabhupada's. Uh, Prabhupada's contribution was wide circulation hmm, of uh, the, the teachings. Um, Bhaktivinoda Thakur's was uh, was a kind of a re refacing. Hmm. Maybe Prabhupada did that to some extent too, coming to the Western world and so forth. But at any rate. Uh, there's some room, I suppose, that you could say something like that, but uh, 
But he himself said he was a member of the Bhakti Vinod Paribara. This is what Bhakti Siddhanta Sosti Thakur taught. And um, so he never taught us that it was the Bhakti Vedanta Paribara. He would always defer to Bhakti Vinod and Bhakti Siddhanta. And so I would think that it would be appropriate to um, do so as well now in his um, absence. And um, really, um, it is the the his interface with the modern world in the no- novel ways and so forth was very much what Bhaktivinoda Thakur set in motion, that spirit. It's very interesting because it's a spirit of, of, of essential spiritual life and um, making adjustments for time and circumstances, novel ways and so forth. Uh, that requires a lot of uh, realization, and, and a lot of the people who, who these days consider themselves followers of Prabhupada, are very adverse to any adjustments and uh, and uh, tend not to be very essential in their spiritual orientation, but rather kind of, well, kind of sectarian and kind of black and white and so forth, which he very much was not. And that's the was you see that character of Bhakti Vinod in in our. Prabhupada. So I think it's quite appropriate, as, as, and as he did himself, for us to do, to refer to ourselves as members of the Bhakti Vinod Paribar, rather than Prabhupada's Sampradaya, which is like way out there kind of idea. Um, Prabhupada used to teach us that he, he repeatedly taught us that his credibility lies in his adherence to the previous Acharya's teaching. So as much as you want to separate him out from the previous Acharyas, as much as his own words, you make him, uh, he, he lacks credibility. Hmm? So I think it's a great mistake to not to, uh, not to identify Prabhupada historically for his contribution and accurately glorify him for the contribution that he made. Hmm? I think it's a mistake to glorify him in ways that don't really represent accurately the contribution that he made. That means to say that there are limits to which one can glorify another. Hmm? Sarup Damodar would not let just any prayer of glorification that was written be offered to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. If it wasn't appropriate in terms of Siddhanta and Rasa Vichar, so then he would reject it. Hmm? So, so, you know, if we say Prabhupada's greater than God or something. That would, that's a glorification, but it would be like thunder on his ears to hear him say that. So you can say the glorification is, is, has to be artful, and, and, and the beauty of it is that you can bring out something that's actually accurate and point it out and, and showcase it and so forth. It's not that you just say anything, hmm? and that's a glorification. Hmm? Uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, once uh, a godbrother of mine uh, wanted to dress Prabhupada, his murti, the deity form of Prabhupada on the Vyasasan, like a king with a scepter and a crown, hmm? like you know, like a royalty of Europe or something like that. Prabhupada is the king, the emperor, or something like. That. And so he put a crown on Prabhupada and gave him a scepter and, 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 hmm? Capes. Cape? Cape. A cape and 
so forth. So uh, a lot of the devotees didn't like that too much. They thought it was a little weird. And so uh, at that time, ISKCON members, leaders, were still following Prabhupada's instruction to speak with Sridhar Maharaj about issues of philosophy that they wanted clarification on after he departed from the world. So it was brought up to Pujapad Sridhar Maharaj that um, so-and-so wants to put a crown on Prabhupada and so forth. And, and Sridhar Maharaj was a great harmonizer. And he was a very great harmonizer of things. And you know, So he sat for a moment and he thought how to think about that, how to harmonize that. And he said, I don't know if I can harmonize that. <laughs> he said, Brahman is actually more than Kshatriya. Hmm? They wanted to make him a Kshatriya, a king, but actually he's a Brahman hmm? uh, preacher hmm? for Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And that humble position as a sadhu, that is higher than the king's position. And so he talked about it like that. He, he, couldn't, he couldn't harmonize it. So his advice was, take off the crown. Hmm? We appreciated the sentiment, hmm? but it said, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Hmm? That's why our sentiment has to be tied to actual knowledge. Hmm? And, and that's why sometimes we have to, do th we have to act according to um, uh, what the scripture says, even though on the outside, it, it may look like it's causing some uh, disturbance. Hmm? Uh, we're concerned for Shreyas, for not Prayas. Hmm? We can't keep everybody happy immediately. Sometimes we have to say, no, we do it like this, not like that. Hmm? Um, so, you know, he said, yeah, you should take now the crown, is not a good idea, something like that. Hmm? So, um, so, yeah, that's not a good. Uh, Good idea to say that Prabhupada founded his own sampradaya. He's a member of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's sampradaya. That would mean he revolted, <laughs> started his own sampradaya. Well, what happened to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's sampradaya? Hmm? Now that he has a special place to sampradaya, well, I mean, we don't have to study much to figure that out. I mean, we don't have to worry that somehow that's going to be, you know, forgotten or something like that. I mean, it's pretty obvious. <laughs> Had to struggle too hard to make sure that Prabhupada's position will, will always be known. If it, if it is what it is, then it will be known. You don't have to struggle. That's the whole point of it. It's such an extraordinary contribution that that any person with half a brain coming in touch with it will see this person's prominent in the Gaudiya Vaishnavism. They got his books everywhere, it's in, and they are the first ones in English and so forth. All these people are coming in the wake of his work in the Western world. I mean. We don't have to struggle to keep him in the center and worry somehow he's going to be taken out or something like that. Hmm? Especially if we, and if we, and if, if that's our sentiment, we want to keep Prabhupada in the center, so to speak. But it's at the cost of, a, of anybody else coming in the lineage that can do anything more by his grace, then we're really at a loss. Hmm? Then we've got, then we are in different sampradaya that has an end. Hmm? Sampradayas don't have an end. They have a parampara, they go on. So if the name of keeping Prabhupada in the center, we say, the following gurus who follow Prabhupada can only say what Prabhupada said or less. Because hmm. we don't want anybody to shine out more than Prabhupada. I mean, that's just, you know, what kind of guru is that? He's supposed to say more. Hmm. That's the whole idea of the parampara, to continue it and say more, bring more light in new time, in new circumstance, and reveal what the imp implications of the text are, and so on and so forth. You know, to throttle them, Hmm? his own successor, 
in the name of keeping him in the center is a very backwards uh, idea. It's counterproductive. It's not a glorification, really. Hmm? Practically, it's a vilification. Hmm? He couldn't do any. He couldn't create anybody that would be that would represent him in a meaningful way, in a dynamic way that could weigh in according to time and circumstance and say. He may have said that then, but we say this now, and this is why, and so forth, and we go forward. Hmm? That has to be done. That's what he did. Hmm? That's what it means to be a guru. <laughs> you have to have something to say. You have to have some realization, according to time and circumstance. Hmm? One after another. So those things are tied together a little bit, this idea of Prabhupada's Sampradaya, and, and it's a kind of an anti-succession uh, in a sense, in the name of glorifying Prabhupada, and that's very, very dangerous. That would be, uh, he, he wanted nothing more than to see his students excel, and and uh, I heard, yeah, yeah so that's not good. Hmm. And and indeed, if we if we glorify Prabhupada appropriately, according to the scriptures and in terms of what his contribution actually is, then it will be very beautiful and charming and the whole thing will go on very nicely. Hardly will he be forgotten. Hmm. Yes? I was just thinking about the uh, idea of Srila Prabhupada as the founder of Acharya. And then as you were speaking, it was seeming to me like anybody who found, founds any movement, they want it to be bigger than what they started. They want it to be better than what they started. They want it to be... Yeah, I mean, is that one way you could look at him being the founder of Acharya? I mean, well, Prabhupada was the founder of Acharya of Iskon, and sometimes I've seen that some of his disciples want to make more out of that than what it is. Uh, that doesn't make him the founder acharya of a sampradaya. That doesn't make him, you know, a Ramanuja who started a sampradaya or a Chaitanya Mahaprabhu who started the Gaudi sampradaya. I mean, Sridhar Maharaj is the founder acharya of his sect. Um, I'm the founder acharya of mine. <laughs> uh, I don't use the term, but but I'm the acharya who founded this 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 particular sect. That's what it means. Um, but that's a sect within Gaudiya Vaishnavism and so on and so forth. Um, but yes, I think that, well, I'll tell you personally from my point of view, if I started a sect within Gaudiya Vaishnavism, then I would like to see my students carry it on and make it better and do more than me. Hmm? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. Just, just, just like a father wants to see his son do more, take the business to a new level and bring in new products and... Uh, and uh, test out new markets and open up more stores and that's what that's what he wants that's what he expects so if he if you know if he has to do only what the father did or less then how how will the father think of that what will become of the business hmm? therefore we stop we only print Prabhupada's books you know Prabhupada wanted the BBT to be like um, you know um, Harper's Press or something of Vaishnavism hmm? so. I'll tell you what Prabhupada wanted with the BBT. He wanted his, his Bhaktivedanta Book Trust, his, the printing arm of his mission, to be the premier Vaishnav, if not religious, printing house in the world. Mm -hmm. Hmm? So if somebody had a book of religious, spiritual, Vaishnav or Gaudiya Vaishnav merit in particular, 
uh, their dream would be that the BBT would publish it. Hmm? I got published by the BBT. Hari Bol, like that. They would be celebrating. The Bhaktivedanta Book Trust published my book. Hmm? Uh, This is a way in which the Book Trust was intended to unite Gaudiya sects, for example, because there'll be different Gaudiya sects and they'll have different sentiments. Hmm? In a higher sense, some some might have one sentiment over another sentiment, or just in a basic sense, they have different. They have sentiment for their guru, and all 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 the gurus teach the same thing. Each of the gurus has his own particulars, also of likes and dislikes, and we consider them part of his perfected sadaka deha. Hmm? And so we tend to identify with those to some extent as well. And in his mission, he did it like this. He liked this kind of. He liked Artique at this time, and this song to be sung, and this is what he liked. Those are his particulars. So, so like in this song, Govindam Adipurusham Tamaham Bajami. Seven o'clock, every temple. It's like because Prabhupada did that. He liked that in his temple. Hmm? Now you go to Sridhar uh, Marsh's Math, you're not going to find that going on there. So you're going to think, it's different over here. Hmm? You know, they're singing something else, glorifying Krishna at a different time or whatever. But essentially, it's the same. But their details are different. Those details are relative to the idiosyncrasies, if you will, and the details of that particular Vaishnava Charya. But they both teach the same thing. They both teach the same teaching. So, because of those differences, hmm, you might feel more comfortable in one mat than another. But you should be thoughtful enough to be able to honor each moth and its differences and really go there and go, do it different here. Wow, that's cool. They do it like this over here. And this is what they're thinking. Interesting, huh? And, and that would be enlivening to you. Variety is, is it's all right because there's a unity of philosophy. Philosophy is one, abed. And then the religious expression of it is, is, is the bed, is difference. One and difference together. One philosophy, but it has different expressions, as Sakya Rasa, as Madhurya Rasa, as Vatsalya Rasa, in a higher sense, or in a lower sense, just in terms of the, as I said, the, 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 the Sadaka Deha inspiration, the, 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 the Sadaka Deha senses of the Acharya and mind. Hmm? That's what we see there. Hmm? You understand? That's the Govindam, or whatever it is. That's the Sadaka Deha mind and senses. It's very nice. Hmm? Of this particular Sadakadeya of this particular acharya and this where, it, where it's different and so forth. But again, what's one or supposed to be one is the philosophy. That's where the books come. That's where the Bhaktivedanta Book Trust come. They can unify despite the differences hmm? Hmm? by being a printing house that every Gaudiya Vaishnava wished that their book would be published by hmm? and would thereby get the widest circulation and so forth. So this is the way that all, if that had occurred, if that, if the Bhaktivedanta Book Trust had carried on that kind of spirit, hmm, if you will, then people like uh, the late Bhaktivedanta Narayan Maharaj would have loved to have his books printed by the Bhaktivedanta Book Trust or Sridhar Maharaj or other moths and so forth. And the BBT would be serving that unifying principle that the philosophy is what unifies hmm, and the religious expression is what what, what differentiates, but in a beautiful way, hmm? in a charming way. So the book trust could have unified, and then beyond that, as they say, 
It was the desire of Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur and Bhakti Vinod Thakur to unify all four Vaishnav Sampradayas. So, members of the Sri Sampradaya, they want their book published by the Bhakti Vedanta Book Trust because it is the the state of the art in terms of Western, you know, you ever see Prabhupada looking at those machines in L.A. and, huh, yeah, the, the latest machine for printing and this and that. And uh, he was like, he wanted everything like that, state of the art and the, the quality of the book. You ever see some of the, you know, Indian publications? Now they're getting better, but, <laughs> you know, it wasn't by, he wanted Western standard of publication of the highest order. He wanted very, you know, good editing and so forth, uh, uh, good English and uh, and and so to get then your book from, I'm a member of the Sri Sampradaya I've written a book and and the book the book trust you send it there your manuscript hope they'll publish it and if they do you'll feel honored this way the ISKCON society that the Bhaktivedanta Book Trust was a was a was the printing arm of brought it unified the four Sampradayas about around Chaitanya Mahaprabhu hmm? his Sampradaya <laughs> In the, in, under the auspices, in this case, of, of, of Prabhupada's uh, particular sect within that, of, of ISKCON. Hmm? And then, um, beyond that, beyond Vaishnava, you can see, if you go to the, the uh, Chaitanya Mahat in, in Navadvip, Bhakti Sarantasarasitaka, you find that there's a, the, the deity of Nimbarka, uh, Ramanuja, um, uh, Madhva, and Vishnu Swami. Hmm? This is Bhakti Vinod's idea. He predicted all these sampradayas will come under the auspices of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. This is a way in which Prabhupada really sought to do that. In many respects, these sampradayas are getting credibility through the work of the Gaudiya Sampradaya. That's undeniable. Prabhupada built a bridge across from India to America, and it's easy for other sampradayas, Vaishnav sampradayas, to walk on it hmm? and have some. Um, some success, some following, and uh, in 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 outside of India, so anyway, and then you go beyond that, hmm? and and the religious texts from other traditions that are are valuable. Well, some of them are, of course. There obviously there's going to be similarities in essential uh, spirituality hmm? published by the Bhaktivedanta Book Trust. Would this be? I mean, instead of just only Prabhupada's books, and Prabhupada's gone, and and, and so there's no more books. Hmm? Or you get one here or there, kind of, and it's like, well, we'll publish a few of those on the side and limited editions only. Um, and this is in the name of glorifying Prabhupada and 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 and, and so on and so forth. Uh, I don't think it 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 works that well. It makes for a, a publishing house that's very uh, very limited um, in in its its in its scope, and uh, you have to have new publications. Hmm? And Prabhupada's books are timeless, but they but they also are most effective in certain times. Hmm? That's how it works. You write a book, and you're thinking about the times you're in, and writing accordingly. There's timeless wisdom in them, but there are some things that pertain very much to the times. So you need books, new books, and new times. Hmm? That there's my answer to that. Yeah. So. Um, I think, you know, what you're saying is an example of a number of ways in which we see, unfortunately, a very sincere uh, effort to glorify Prabhupada that's counterproductive. Hmm? That, because it's not based on proper understanding of the Siddhanta. Hmm? Just like I'll give you another example. Many years ago, 
um, uh, some well persons like myself are, are, um, came under the auspices of the, of the, uh, the Pujapad Sridhar Marsh as our Siksha Guru and um, at the time in and about that time uh, the, the, the leaders of Prabhupada's movement determined that it was would, would be would be wrong and displeasing to Prabhupada to go to, and and have the uh, take Siksha from Sridhar Marsh even though Prabhupada said that we we could they changed that hmm? and so um, the argument is that they did it for good reasons because Prabhupada had said different things at different times and it was for caution and to protect Iskon from outside influences and to keep Prabhupada in the center and so on. This was their sentiment. I think it was a good sentiment, but as I said, you know, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. So good intentions are not enough. Hmm? As Prabhupada used to say, it's not just a sentiment, right? What did he say? He was actually used a quote from Tagore. Rabindranath Tagore, religion without philosophy is just fanaticism, and sentiment and, and knowledge without religious sentiment is just uh, mental gymnastics, something like that. So these two, this is Beda Bed. This is what Jiva Goswami gave, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu gave, Beda Bed. One and different. You have to keep this in place. You have to have the sentiment, and you have to have the knowledge too. Otherwise, the sentiment is a waste of time. Hmm? It's counterproductive. You should understand that. You should teach that. It's counterproductive. Hmm? Hmm. So, here they wanted to keep Prabhupada in the center. It was a beautiful idea and so forth. But then, those who had been influenced by Sridhar Marsh, who Prabhupada said we could go to for Siksha, and wanted to continue under his guidance, they were called Guru Tyagis. People who had rejected their Guru. Prostitutes. So we were called like that. Now, if you look at the Siddhanta, at the, the teachings, you say, well, they don't understand the teaching. To use those terms, to, re, to refer to people who had embraced Sridhar Marsh as their Siksha Guru, who were disciples of Prabhupada, means they don't understand the philosophy. Because it's full of examples of having Siksha Gurus. Especially at the time of the departure of one's guru, if the opportunity is available to hear from another sadhu who your guru is recommended and so forth, well, you know, it's 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 not only uh, allowable but desirable. Mm -hmm. And so, to refer to people as who have done that, which is it's totally not only their examples in the history of the sampradaya, many, many, many of them, prominent ones. As prominent as Raghunath Das Goswami, uh, uh, Krishna Das Kaviraj Goswami. I mean, these are pretty prominent people in Gaudiya Sampradaya who had Siksha Gurus. Hmm? They're having a Siksha Guru doesn't constitute rejecting their Diksha Guru. Hmm? So to call such people Guru Tyagis and prostitutes means the people who are doing that don't understand the Siddhanta. That means they don't have knowledge, proper knowledge, therefore they're operating only on a sentiment. Hmm? And the sentiment without knowledge is religious fanaticism. Hmm? And it looks like glorification of Prabhupada or whomever, but that's not what it is. It's just the opposite. Hmm? It's, it's very counterproductive. It's hmm? a very simple example. It should be very clear to you. If on the one hand you're saying, 
we want only Prabhupada and the people who are Prabhupada. They're not Prabhupada's people. They left Prabhupada. They're prostitutes. They're guru taggies. I mean, you don't understand what you're talking about. You understand the philosophy. Your sentiment is 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 ugly. It's ugly and unbecoming. Hmm? It's not beautiful. There are differences that are beautiful, that are charming. Prabhupada loves Sridhar Maharaj himself. I know something about that side of Prabhupada. Hmm. Some other people don't. Well, I know more about Prabhupada. Because <laughs> I know everything they know about Prabhupada. And I know about Prabhupada's sentiment for Sridhar Maharaj. Hmm? So arguably, I'm closer to Prabhupada. I mean, it's making an argument for the sake of argument. You understand? So, this is uh, another uh, way of pointing out the idea that glorification of someone requires some knowledge. Therefore, they don't just ask anybody to get up on stage and glorify somebody. Hmm? They ask somebody to get up on stage who knows something and can say accurately and say it beautifully and so forth. Otherwise, in the name of glorification, we may misrepresent. that help? Yeah. Well, it was a controversial subject. <laughs> got into there. <laughs> Forgive me. But uh, I'm only answering the questions. <laughs> anyway, we've talked for a while. It's nice to be with all of you and um, again here and... Uh, Hope to have a chance to come back again in the future. And I'll be in Hillsborough next weekend. Welcome to visit me there or come out to um, Saragrahi in western North Carolina. We have a lot of devotees coming out on the last weekend of the month. You're welcome to come or any time. You come, sit and talk with me if you like. Personally or classes, you're more than welcome. Hare Krishna. Thank you.